0: Let's lift our hands to him then and worship him. Lord, you deserve all the glory, the honor, the praise. You are the worthy one. When John looked out and heard the voice cry out for a worthy man, he knew he wasn't worthy. No human that he ever knew was worthy. Search went out through the ages and only no man was found worthy the there step forth the lamb step forth today Lord that worthy one that worthy one that has taken the book and opened the seals and revealed the mysteries, tore them off and sent it down to the seventh angel on the earth oh God reveal yourself to us today, manifest your glory, we're here we're just helpless human beings Lord we can't do without you I sing it often, Lord, myself, I can't find the way alone. There's no way we can find it. We're just humans. But, Lord, with the leadership of your Holy Spirit, with the direction of the Spirit of God, Lord, you can give us the proper path to put our foot upon. There are those today looking for leadership, for guidance. And I'm praying, Lord, that you'll give guidance by your Holy Spirit. Lord if it would be that you would just even pull me one direction or another just to minister to a soul oh God thou knowest every need that is here I pray oh God you'll just take any wrong spirit from us bring the sweetness of the Holy Ghost realize Lord our own thoughts, our own ways, our own ambitions, our own desires don't deserve to be glorified it's you that deserves the glory and as we look into the word Lord I just pray that you open up the word to our hearts heal the sick that is among us the needy Lord our brother Kenneth there in the hospital still needing a touch oh God yeah he's lived his three score and ten but Lord you're you're the God of miracles you're the God that extends life doctors may have given him months to live but Lord no man can put an end to our lives you're the one that destined us predestined the moment for us to enter into glory I pray that you'll meet that need today our shut ins that are out there Lord that are listening in today they'd love to be in the house of God but can't I pray that you'd minister to them Lord the backslidden that's away from you some of them listening in right now Lord, why? Why would they even listen in? Because there's a desire in their heart for You. A longing that can only be filled by You. And they realize their life is glorified sin and every kind of evil thing. And they're just peeking in today just to, just to get a glimpse, a hope, a glimmer of hope. That they can turn and be saved. I pray that You'll do it. Lord, bring the prodigal back home the needs of your children, wherever they are, across the globe, Lord, those that are listening in from Africa, South Africa, Asia, different places that are joining with us today or in the services to come or the days to come, Lord, will you minister to them? I pray, God, that you bless your people everywhere. Supply their needs, we ask. Be with our brother, Timothy, as he ministers there in Missouri, our brother, Joe, up in Indiana. Lord, just be with your people everywhere. Minister to hearts and lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And we want to welcome you all into his presence. Amen. We thank the Lord for his goodness to us and his grace upon our lives, his mercy that endures to all generations. So we know that his mercy is here today for you, and we say God bless you and welcome here today in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you'll turn with me to Genesis 18, verse 20, I just want to thank you for your prayers while we were away with um, Edward Johnson City, dedicating Brother Donnie Reagan's church, had a glorious time together with, with them and the saints there, and um, so... Uh, this next Sunday, I'm going to be up in Newfoundland and then fly from there over into New Brunswick and uh, having meetings there two weekends in a row while I'm up in that part of Canada. That's about as far northeast as you can go so far that, you know, their time, uh, they change it to where it's not on the hour with us, but, uh, you know, like right now, it's nearly 12 o'clock. It would be like 1230 you know, uh, on the half hour, we're at whatever time they are there, several uh, hours away. So anyway, I, I would appreciate your prayers. Um, we, uh, we don't go just to gratify ourselves. We, we go to try to minister to the body of Christ. As I told you before, our, um, our real ambition is is to see each one prepared for the coming of the Lord. And, we can help a little church somewhere, a place somewhere, or a group of people somewhere, wherever they are to strengthen the body of Christ. That's what we want to do. Amen. So God bless you as our ministers um, will be busy this summer, uh, just going in and out different places. There's many, many needs everywhere. Keep them in prayer. I would appreciate that. Please keep me in prayer. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20 And the Lord said, "'Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is, "'Come unto me,' and if not, I will know.' And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord." And Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there lack five of the 50 righteous. Righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak peradventure there shall be thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, behold, I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, peradventure there be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak but this yet, but this once. Peradventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And the Lord went his way. And as soon as he left communing with Abraham and Abraham, Return to his place. God bless you. Can be seated. I'm going to speak to you this morning on the power of an intercessor. And after the wonderful promise of restoration, which would include Abraham and Sarah being restored to youth again, and so they could have the promised son. And after seeing the supernatural display of um, the Son of Man in his ministry, the angel of God discerning Sarah's heart, and after giving to him the mysteries of God and, and revealing to Abraham things that would have otherwise been hidden, Abraham was not satisfied with his salvation and his restoration only. But seeing the judgments that is about to befall Sodom, he begins to intercede and begins to plead for the salvation of Sodom. And I, I really think it was for the sake of his nephew Lot that he had something in mind, you know. And so he he would first start with 50 and then 45 and then 30 and then 20 and finally down to 10. He He just, whatever, he wanted to make sure that his nephew Lot and his family was saved, and I think that that is, should be the desire of real Christians. We don't want to see nobody lost, because that's really God's desire. You know, He He was not willing that any should perish, and even He will show His long suffering, as in the days that Noah. to to try to bring in every person and and give every person an opportunity. We serve a merciful God. He's a God rich in mercy. I know in a day and a time where men have have misunderstood the breach and try to make God a God that is no longer, our Christ no longer on the mercy seat, I tell you, I beg the difference with that. I believe there's more mercy in this age than any age that there's ever been, because again, as Brother Brandon would preach, this is one of the last of his sermons. God is rich in mercy. But anyway, um, you know, here we see Abraham entering into a ministry of intercession. He was not just willing to let the world go by and Sodom burn and everybody be destroyed without imploring God for the lost, for those who would be lost in the fire. And he wanted to see them saved. The Bible said in James 5, 16, that he he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so there is much power in believers' intercession for one another. You see, um, as as Brother Branham told us in Believe in God, he said, that's the reason he said, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's the individual's prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And oh, if you only knew that in your hand, Christ gave us the authority with his name, being Christians, the most powerful weapon the world has ever known. Prayer, it even changes everything. It'll change the mind of God. It did do it. After death was pronounced to a man, he prayed, and God told the prophet, Go back and tell him I heard him. And so he said, So their, their prayer, and he said, He instructed us. Hold on now. We know it doesn't literally change God's mind. Numbers 23 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. For hath he said and shall he not do it, or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? So you see, this is this is God's nature. He he cannot change his mind about his word, he can't go back on his word he must do what he said as samuel spoke of him as the, the glory of israel the changeless one of israel does not lie or change his mind for he is not a man that should change his mind so god is forever the changeless one of israel The counsel of the Lord stands forever, says the book of Psalms. And Malachi says uh, and speaks of him as, I am Jehovah and I change not. But you see, it is that God will use you through intercession to change circumstances in order to fit his plans. And God wanted Lot saved. Amen, God wanted Lot saved. He didn't want him to be lost. And Abraham responded to God's desire by interceding on his behalf. And, 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 and through Abraham's intercession, then Lot was saved. Let's look at the book of James chapter 5 and verse 13. If you'll put it up on the board for us all to see the screen. Is there any among you that is afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You see, there is this prayer of intercession as it goes on in verse 15. He says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So you can see the instructions of God. You know, pray for one to one for one another that you may be healed. And then he tells you that, that the prayer of the righteous man is effective when it's fervent amen when it when it approaches god you know with a with the right attitude and, and with fervency and believe in his promise now the devil don't want us interceding for the needs of god's people that's very plain it's incredible what we have to defend this day like i've already mentioned you know christ having left the mercy seat of course he hasn't He is still there. He ever liveth to make intercession on the behalf of those that has need. We can boldly come to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. You know, he is there uh, again, the high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. And right now his office is the office of a high priest as he intercedes on the behalf. And once the last member of the bride of Christ comes in, then for the Gentiles, mercy is over. He leaves the seat of mercy. He takes his bride out of here and judgment comes upon the earth. But you don't have to worry about there not being any mercy as long as the bride is here. She is the very seat of mercy. Because she is in touch with the mercy seat in heaven. Now, but the devil doesn't want us interceding for the needs of God's people. And it's incredible today what I find we have to defend anymore. You know, um, you know, just as there's teachings against preachers and the preaching of the word, there are those that oppose prayer lines and laying on of hands. and You know, evidently Satan don't want God's people ministered to. Amen, because he knows in ministering to them he's going to be cast out. You know, and, and yes, I, I do recognize that Brother Bradham told us that laying on our hands is a Jewish tradition, but so is marriage a, a Jewish tradition. So is fasting a Jewish tradition. Anointing with oil is a Jewish tradition. Praying over the food is our Jewish traditions. All of those are Jewish traditions. Even communion is uh, the Passover, which is a Jewish tradition. So you see, you see, he simply speaks of the Gentile Roman centurion, which who said to Jesus, "There's no need to come to my house for a physical touch. Just speak the word, and my servant shall live." And Jesus called that great faith. And Brother Branham certainly encouraged the church. To, to anticipate the spoken word, but he never, ever, ever forbids laying on of hands. In fact, the matter is, I'm a personal witness. Um, when I sat as a young boy in Brother Bannon's meeting in his last public meeting, and in, in, uh, other than the, the, um, the church there in Tucson, but in the last campaign that he would have here, in, which was which in Freeport, we had an open prayer line. And there in that prayer line, I watched them as they laid hands upon them one after the other. By the way, in that meeting also, he had an altar call. Amen. And he would say, he said, I believe in old-fashioned altar calls because he said, God still moves in them. Amen. I, I still believe in those things. I realize, yeah, maybe the Methodists abused them. Maybe, maybe somebody else abused it, but they're still the truth. There's still things that God moves in. There's still things that we we see God using to to bring in the lost and the sick and the dying. Now, the book of Hebrews chapter six, it lists lists the elementary or foundational doctrines of Christ. And and these doctrines are listed in there in, in Hebrews six and one as repentance from dead works of faith toward God uh, and uh, of instructions about washings and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So we do believe in all the fundamental doctrines, don't we? So why do we believe in laying on of hands? What is wrong with that? Truly, it's a doctrine of Christ. For inasmuch he told us to baptize in his name, he also commissioned us to lay hands on the sick. Saying that when we interceded for them in that manner, they shall recover. Amen. Amen. So it was a practice not only in the Old Testament, but it's also a practice in the New Testament. Amen. In both covenants, it was there. It's going to be here to the duration. Amen. The the, The Old Testament shows how that laying on of hands would would come to be used in the New Testament church ages, which was originally what laying on the hands was for the passing of blessing um, to formally recognize a leader. So in Numbers 8 and 10, he would bring the Levites together before the Lord and said, when you bring in the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. So you can see here, it was a part of commissioning. Right. So laying on our hands is for commissioning. So the, so then again in Numbers twenty-eight or 27, 18, God instructs his Moses to lay his hand on Joshua to formally recognize him as the new leader of a nation. Right. So he said, take Joshua, the son of Nun, and a man to whom, Is the Spirit and lay the hand upon him. So you see, laying on hands was an act of recognition and a passing on a blessing to those that God had chosen. Now, in Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, he warns Timothy to lay hands on no man suddenly. Now, in doing this, he is not warning against praying for the sick but rather to be careful who you ordain and who you give positions to in the church. So let's just look at it for a moment so we can just kind of settle this and clear the air and go forward because I believe we're a people who are called to intercession. Amen. To pray for the sick is part of our commission. Amen. Now, First Timothy 5, 21, I charge thee before God Um, And the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, and keep thyself pure. Now, this has nothing to do with praying for the sick. This has something to do is with rather ordaining and commissioning elders and church officials. So he says, don't do nothing hastily. Be careful when you put men into position. Amen. Because, again, when you, when you put men in position, you become identified with them because you recognize them officially and they become an official representative of the church. So, you know, if, if you've done this hastily and this man goes into sin, hey, you're caught with it. You're branded with it. Now, so in it, it's an admission and a warning not to be too hasty about putting men into positions. Now, if you keep it in context with what he's saying, let's go to verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, I'm reading another translation, but you get it. It said, for the scripture says, "'Do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain.'" And the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it be brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before, reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. And then he says, I charge you in the sight of God. and of of Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty on laying on the hands, do not share in the sins of others, and keep yourself pure. So maybe a better translation would be is don't give your seal of approval to people too hastily. You see, it's very possible to lay hands on people too suddenly. Too quickly to give them a seal of approval before we really know them or impart authority to them before they're ready for it. And this is a foolish mistake that that will often produce painful consequences. In the Amplified, it says like this, do not, be, do not hurry to lay hands on anyone ordaining and approving someone for ministry or an office in the church or in reinstating expelled offenders. See, all that's within context of what he's talking about. And therefore, sharing the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. So Paul's warning to Timothy to lay your hands on no man suddenly has nothing to do with praying for the sick but rather cautioning him not to put their seal of approval on, on, on to someone making or import, uh, uh, import, imparting authority to a person. You see, you, let me just make it clear. You do not need to be fearful to share in their sins by praying for someone who might have hidden sins. But the church's reputation can be tainted with men who are in office, who are living sinful lives. And we've all been hurt very badly by the sinful action of preachers, of deacons, that we were associated with. So Paul warns us, don't ordain anyone hastily. And he's reiterating the same advice that he just gave two chapters later or earlier rather in verse Timothy three and six concerning the office of a bishop or a pastor. And he warned, he's not to be a novice, not to be a newcomer, not to be untrained. not to, he not to be put in the office of, of a pastor and, he, and he, he doesn't have the experience of being a Christian and the reputation of being a real child of God with a with a with a record behind him he's not to be a novice lest to be lifted up with pride and fall in the condemnation of the devil moreover he must have good report of them which are without not only within the church but even in the even in the community around you you know you know you don't want someone to be a bishop or leader or pastor of a church and he's done uh, nefarious business deals out there and cause all kinds of trouble in the community and you know, sin on his life and bad reputation because that affects the church. Yeah. Now, so again, he said, he said, he must be of a good report of them which are out lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So this, this subject is not warning Timothy about the laying on of hands of the sick, but be very careful when you are commissioning others. And this charge comes from a, a whole section about elders, honoring the good, discipline the bad, and, and and for when leaders like Paul or Timothy or others in the church formally lay their hands on someone for uh, to, to usher them into a ministry or into a new calling, they're putting their seal of approval on them. And, and in some way, they share even in their fruitfulness or in their failures. Amen. So you see, when we ordain a man to go out and preach the gospel, we are putting the weight of the whole church behind him. We're, play, we're, we're giving him our recommendation. We're sending him out. Amen. To represent us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you see, laying on our hands then is very, we got to be very careful not to do this hastily and put people in positions that they're not supposed to be in. But he's not talking about be real slow when you pray for somebody. Or be careful about praying for people because if you pray, and you lay hands on them and their sin, their sinners, then that their sins come back on you. That's a much a bunch of malarkey and baloney as you can imagine. Otherwise, we better be we better not just pray for anybody. I can't even pray for Aaron, he might be a secret sinner, and whatever he's doing might come on me I can't pray for you because whatever you're doing might come back on me you might be cursed by God and who knows I'm, I might be trying to take the curse so nobody prays for nobody forget about laying on hands you just don't pray you see we come to a point where you bind the hand of God where you stop the work of the living God who commissioned us cast out devils lay hands on the sick They shall recover. Do this with boldness because you're an intercessor who can come boldly before the throne of grace and find help in the time of need. So you see, laying on the hands' ends, like anointing with oil or fasting, or external rituals like communion or, or water baptism, none of that is none of that is magic. It's a means of grace. And it, com- it accompanies words of, of, of commendation and, you know, and collective prayers of the elders and the saints for those that believe. And like baptism, the, the laying on of hands is, is an official recognition. A recognition It's, it's sort of like a, a, an initiating rite. So Paul warns us, don't be hasty in putting people in positions. But laying on the hands was not only for ordaining one to an office or for the healing of the sick, but also for imparting the Holy Ghost. Yes, for those in the upper room, you see, the Holy Ghost came spontaneously, and 120 were filled with great power and spoke in a heavenly language. Is that right? At the house of of Cornelius, a Gentile, they received the Holy Ghost as Peter was was preaching the word. And it was not without emotion or without feeling for they spoke in tongues and prophesied. In the book of Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans who were a mixed heritage of Jews and, and Gentiles believed and embraced the truth of the word of God. So they sent Peter and John to come and pray for them. And the Bible said, and they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, you can look at that. Here these people had believed. They had embraced the message. And yet didn't have the Holy Ghost. Right? Right? So embracing the message, if embracing the message and confessing the belief in the truth was all that was needed, then they would not have needed to sin for Peter and John to come and intercede for them by laying on the hands. It wouldn't have been necessary. Again, in Ephesus, the followers of John, the, the, John the Baptist were told of Christ and his resurrection and the coming of the Holy Ghost and they had been They were then baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And 19 verse 6 of Acts. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So you see this is exactly what happened. You see, Paul come and laid his hands on them. That's why that we come around the altar a lot of times and we have people seeking the Holy Ghost and you come and pray with them and intercede for them. Amen. Laying your hands upon them and calling on God and saying, Lord, fill this person with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, again, let me go back over that. It can come spontaneous as you hear the word. It can come spontaneous and though nothing was even being preached. It was just in one mind and one accord and was sitting there waiting and the Spirit of God fell and 120 received the Holy Ghost or it can come by laying on the hands. You see, you can't put God in a box. Now, Brother Branham t- gave an illustration, I think, that is really important to understand. And in the sermon, Balm and Gilead, Brother Branham called a prayer line, and there he asked ministers to come and pray with him over the sick. And he did this pretty often in his ministry. You know that. Have you listened to any tapes? Because he said, I don't want your faith built into an evangelist. I I want you to have your faith built in your own pastor. He's the man that's going to lead you out from here. So he would get other ministers to come and pray with him, and, and he would say, now form a double line, and express his appreciation for the ministers. And, and, and in doing so, he said, I'm gonna tell you, it makes me proud in my heart, grateful to find servants of God that will stand before the people and say, I'm a witness of this gospel too. Yes. So he would call for preachers who also believed in divine healing Amen. to come join with him in the prayer line for the needs of the people. Amen. And then he said, I'm glad, makes me proud in my heart to find servants of God who'll come and be identified with divine healing and prayer for the sick and will stand on the platform with me to pray for these. Yeah. Said they are men of God, every one of them that's called of God, every man called of God's commission to lay his hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many believes that? Yeah. Then, then how are you going to fail with, from getting to pass through an arch like this. So he said, you ever notice Solomon built the temple? Listen close, when you entered the door, what happened? There were angels carved of olive wood with their wings tipping across. And every worshiper coming to the holy seat, come right down across the tips of these angels' wings, right down to the mercy seat, right down to the altar. You know the order of Solomon's temple. And he said, now what? An angel is a messenger. Get a dictionary and find out what an angel means. Some of them are heavenly messengers. Some of them are earthly messengers that God dwells in to bring his earthly message. Amen. Sitting right behind me is an earthly angel. Amen. We call him Aaron Oglesby, but he's an earthly angel, a messenger of God, commissioned of God to... To what? He said they're standing there with their they are, these are messengers, angels of the Lord, messengers to you, and they're standing there with their hands out to obey what God says. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now I'm gonna give you just an illustration. Brother Aaron, come here. I need another angel. So we're going to make a double line, so I want you to stand right here. William, come up. Uh, Yeah, you're you're William. (laughs) You stand right there. You're the sick one. You're approaching the angels. It's a prayer line. These are earthly angels, not heavenly angels. Angel means messenger. Now then, Aaron and I are going to be lifting our hands to anoint you and to pray for you. So you step forward, and as you do, you're coming, come on, step forward, you are coming under the ark of the angels' wings, and we lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Yes. Hallelujah. That's exactly the way Brother Bannam taught it. Angels standing there, coming under the ark of the angels' wings, and he says, "Each of these men have just as much anointing to lay hands on the sick as I do, and every minister touch him, touch them as they go by." Now listen to the instructions of the prophet: lay your hands, anoint them, lay Why touch them? Because we are following the example of Jesus, who commissioned us to do it. You know, Jesus' most common practice in, in healing is to touch. It's also described as laying on of hands, you know, to be healed. Let's, let's just look at a few of Matthew 8 and 2. Catch up with me there. Matthew 8 and 2, and lo, there came a leper and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, make me clean. Remember, he didn't ever say, uh, let me think about this. It was the will of God to heal. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. So here's one of the few times it was ever questioned in the Bible whether or not it was God's will to heal. And Jesus answered positively, I will be thou clean. And he touched him and and healed him. Now, when Peter's mother in law was sick, the Bible said he touched her hand. She's sick with a fever. She touched her hand and the fever left. And there was two blind men in Matthew chapter 9. He touched her eyes and said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So that's another key when you're coming to a prayer line. It ain't according to my faith, I believe. But it's going to be according to your faith. What do you believe? Amen. You accept the promise of God. So according to your faith, be it unto you. And the same thing in Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion on two blind men and he touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And Mark says, chapter seven, the deaf man, had, he also had an impediment of speech. He put forth his fingers into his ears and he touched his tongue. Think of that. Here, here Jesus, what did he do? He, with touch, laying hands on the sick. In this case, he touched their ears, sticking his fingers in their ears, touched his tongue, and he spoke clearly. You see, then he commissioned us, as he was leaving, to preach, to baptize, to cast out devils, to bind serpents, as Moses did, and to lay hands on the sick. So Matthew, uh, Mark 16, verse 15, this is the great, commission remember this is only given to those to whom the word has been opened to so the opening of the word entitles us to the to the position to finish the great commission is that right so if you're in the opening of the word and you don't believe in laying on the hands you ain't in the opening of the word the book's still closed to you you're still over here in denominational darkness Look what he said in verse 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't care how many tells me, don't preach no more, just push play. I'm gonna do what the Bible said, what Jesus commissioned me to do, I'm gonna preach. I don't care if it's the popular opinion of the day or not, I'm gonna do what the Bible said, I'm gonna preach. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So notice he commissions preaching, baptism, and signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Oh, we don't believe in that anymore. Oh yes, true believers do. Amen, they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick with a promise they shall recover. So in the book of Acts, once Jesus ascended to heaven, his apostles in effect become his hands. Now I want to make something clear to you. Jesus cannot come to this earth. Not at this time. You say, well, what about the rapture? No, we meet him in the air. His feet never touch the ground until he touches the Mount of Olives and the Cleveland too. That's when he comes back with his saints at the Battle of Armageddon. So the word keeps Jesus from coming here. He cannot, come. that's what Brother Branham said, he cannot, if you would say, well, you know, here's nail scars and look at the long robe and the long hair. He said, any impersonator can do that. Yes. That's not Jesus. That's not how we look for Jesus in this day. Now, Jesus is here, but in the form of the Holy Spirit. He sent his spirit to anoint man to preach the gospel and to fulfill this great commission that we just read about. Amen. Preach, baptize, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. All of these things, this is what he does in his church. Now, so he cannot come to earth. He has to use your hands. Now, here I'm talking about an intercessor. I'm coming back to Abraham for a moment. And I want to stop here just a moment in in the midst of this and and review. You know, here, here Abraham comes right here at this point and he says, you know, he said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? And he reveals to him the mystery. He tells him about the burning of Sodom. He, He does all of this on there. God did not do anything on earth until he spoke with Abraham. Then... He interceded as Abraham pleaded for him to do it. So Abraham's, Abraham's intercession as a priest moved God to save Lot. Now, God was gonna save Lot, but he needed Abraham to intercede. You see, because he had had a prophet on earth, he had a vessel on earth through which he was going to do his work through. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. Amen. You see, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So Brother Adam tells us, he says, you see, if you were in the foreknowledge of God, you are a part of God you're becoming a a part of God and the only way you can be a son of God or daughter of God, you had to be a part of God and God is not complete without you. So unless there are men praying, God can't work. Unless there are men interceding, God can't move. Unless, listen, he's not going to come and lay hands on you. No, he filled me and others with the Spirit to do that. And for us to refuse to do that is to thwart the work of God, to refuse to give our hands to him to use. Now, I want you to think of this, because he said he isn't complete without you. So, you know, he has them to use your hands. He cannot come here. He cannot walk down these aisles and come lay hands on you. But he has sons of God that are here through whom he works. Now, I, I want to just kind of go over a couple of things right here. You know, John, John Wesley said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. I want you to understand the power of intercession. If you want God to move, start praying. And wait, 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 Abraham. Don't be satisfied with one prayer. If you don't think you got it that first time, go again. Come on. Amen. And if you don't think you got through that time, go again. Keep going until you're sure and you're satisfied that you're going to get the answer. Right. Amen. Amen. You see, Brother Bradham told us, "In seed not air with the shuck. Said so we become too much like hawks and not like eagles, so he said, you know, there again we vulturize down and we're too soft for a prayer meeting. Can't pray five minutes anymore. You see, because part of our work here on the earth is to to, call, to bring God's power through intercession to work upon the earth. There's power in prayer. There's power in your prayer. You know, Abraham, you're the heir to the earth. And God did not do anything until he comes and consults or speaks with Abraham. And God's not going to move until you start calling for him. Amen. I'm trying to get you to understand. You've got a part in this. You've got a part to play. God made you uh, uh, heirs together with him, right? Amen. Amen. So if you're an heir with him, you got a part in this to do. Oh, yes, but there's one interceder interceder between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Yes, I get that. He's the only one worthy to take our petitions and, and bring them into the presence of God. But you are the man, you are the men who comes to and women that comes to Jesus Christ as a man who understands your human frailties. Listen, that's why his approach there in the heavens is not as spirit God. No man can come to Spirit God the Father except by me, Jesus said. So you see, our approach to God, the avenue that we have, is through another man, and that man is Christ Jesus. Because he don't, our relationship with him is not like an invisible God that, you know, never was human, never knew our problems, never knew how it felt to be sick, didn't know how it feels to be betrayed, didn't know how it feels to be tempted. God came flesh so that we would have an advocate that understands us. Amen, that understands us. And when we call, oh, Jesus, I'm sick, he understands. Say, Brother Tim, he never had my problem. Listen, when he went to hell, he defeated every problem. No, he never had my headache. When he was there with crown of thorns jammed on his head, there, he had the worst headache. They beat him with the rods on the head. He knows what it is to have a headache. Well, my back hurts, he knows he was on the cross, he knows what it means to have a backache. Well, my legs are hurting, my feet are hurting, he knows what it is to have feet hurting and legs hurt, whether he suffered it all. So that you can come to him as a, as a priest that understands your condition. Not a distant God who don't know how it feels to be human, but God became human. Hallelujah. He became human so that you could approach him. Now, Brother Branham tells us in a couple of things in faith and action, he says, Jesus looked on the harvest. How many believe that he was the Lord of the harvest? He looked on the harvest and said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his harvest. Now, in other words, you ask me just what I know that's got to be done, but yet you got to ask me for it. Come on. When John when John heard him say, um, I, "You know, behold, I come quickly," and he makes the last prayer in the Bible, what does he do? He responds to the word and said, "He said, even so, come, Lord Jesus." Do you know the bride of Christ has got to be making that prayer? The last prayer of the Bible has got to be the drive of their heart. Yeah. Listen, things are coming up on us like a trap. Yeah. Amen. It's snapping shut on your freedoms and everything else. And the world is these sodomites and these, these uh, drag queens are marching down the street screaming, We're coming after your kids. It's not an empty threat. I tell you, it's not an empty threat. But I tell you, the Bible said that there are those who are going to escape the things that are coming on the earth and will not be caught in the end time trap. So the prayer of the believer has got to become, even so come, Lord Jesus. In other words, your attitude about the coming has got to come the same as his. Your longing has got to meet his longing. Brother Brandon said, "Do you know that there are some things that we have to do that God cannot do to, until we do it?" He talks about being the vine, and then us, the branches, and then bearing the fruit. He said he furnishes the energy, but we've got to do, we got to do the job. He talks about the harvest again, and he says. He could not do it until they asked him to do it. You say, well, why is that? It's because he, listen to me, because he partnership with you. He partnership with you. We had a wonderful sermon on Esther the other day when, when Brother David Siler preached, but listen, the king did nothing. For them until Esther stood up and took her position. You know, it needs, we need sons of God exposing the devil and saying, that wicked Haman, that wicked cancer, that wicked devil, that wicked porn, that wicked evil there. We need people bringing it before God and saying, God, we, you know, if we, we, we If you don't do something, we're going to perish. And it's the truth. If the rapture don't take place, we're going to perish. We need a rapture. We need people calling on God. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Don't leave me here. Whatever you do, don't leave me here. So you see, God made it that way, where that that we we would be his hands, his feet. I want you just to get some of this for a moment. Brother Bradham said, now listen to this. God is so arranged that his program cannot move without you and I. And as long as we're not doing what God leads us to do, we're paralyzing his program. But when the church moves by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, then we're in God's will doing his program. Again, he partnershiped you. He said, the thing about it is, he said, we are, he says, we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that makes us a part in relationship with God. That's born again, a son and daughter of God. Tell them out of the Bible they'll believe it. But the thing of it is, they forget who they are. They think, well, I don't know. Well, brother, oh, brother, you that's born again, sons and daughters of God, is it going to choke you? Co-equal with Jesus Christ in his presence. Amen, oh, my. That's what makes the devil angry is let the church of God realize who they are. Amen. Listen, what did, you, what did the king say to Esther? I'll give you everything, even half of the, even to half the kingdom. Listen, listen, church, this is what he's endowed his bride with. You say, oh, what the king was going to do? He's going to take and he's going to take a razor and divide the kingdom right in half. No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying. We will reign together, Esther. Amen. We will reign together. You know, the law has been written. Amen. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but write the book. Write it and avenge your enemies. And the last enemy that's got to be revenged is death. And somebody in this generation is going to defeat death. Hallelujah. They'll defeat death, hell, and the grave because hell has come here in this dimension. We'll defeat it. We are the defeaters. This is where God is doing. He's moving it. He says, isn't it strange that God wants his people to have part into it? Jesus looked to the harvest and he says, pray you the Lord of the harvest. That was him, pray to me. I'll send labors into my harvest. It's some part you have to do. God is waiting for his church to call on him. He's always did it. God is waiting today for the people to call his servant into action. And the servant can't get into action until the people praise. You either believe that or you don't. I believe it. Amen. Listen, let me just share one more with you. He said, "See, we're buddies. It's a church. We got something to do ourselves. You got something to do. Here's the gospel. I know it. But if you just sit here and don't preach it, what good is it going to do? Going to do? You've got to something. You've got to do to make an effort. So well, I believe God can heal. I, I, I just don't know. Stand up and let that word become your word. Believe it. Don't reason it. Just believe it. So you see, God, God the prophet of God said, we're buddies. This is what Abraham was, a friend of God. And as a friend, he said, won't you do right? You're going to destroy this, but what about the righteous there? You you can't destroy the righteous with the wicked. Won't the God of heaven do right? Well, what about your lost loved ones? Come on, Lot never was a part of the royal seed, but he was a part of redemption. I want you to get this. We have the church that are going through tribulation. When's the last time you prayed for your neighbor? When is the last time you encouraged someone just in their walk with God? Well, they don't go to our church, they're not bride people. Listen, what if they just go into the tribulation? They're gonna be there, and your testimony. Encourage the Father. Don't close your heart and say us four no more. Every minute. In the Lamb's Book of Life is valuable. Whether it's the bride, whether it's the foolish virgin, whether it's 144,000, they're all valuable. Now, coming back here, once Jesus ascended into heaven, his apostles, in effect, become his hands. Now, they like the Lord to heal with touch. Come on, we know there's nothing in the flesh of man. It's doing what God said do. It's being the conduit through which the Spirit of God can move as an intercessor. God could have done everything he did down in Sodom without Abraham, but he wouldn't. He said, I want you to have a part of this. And once the mysteries were revealed to him, it made him an intercessor. It gave him a concern for the lost. Even if they weren't going to be bride, he had concern for the lost. Now, so Ananias would lay his hands on Paul three days after the Damascus experience and restored his sight. In turn, Paul, his hands became channels of extraordinary miracles. Amen. But he lay his hands on the sick man at Malta and heal him. The Bible said he did mighty works to the laying on of his hands. This is what Jesus said would happen in John 15. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You will bear the fruit of the vine. So he tells us in the inside man, we are God's fruit bearers. And I believe St. John 17, you are the branches. He was the vine. The the vine puts forth the branches, but the branches has to bear the fruit. If the branches getting the life out of the vine, well, it's the same kind of life that's in the vine. Don't you think so? It has to be. Now our hands, look at your hands. Our lips, our eyes, them are God's hands. Lips and eyes that he has here on the earth. Now he's gone back to God and he sends forth this energy of his spirit to anoint us with the Holy Spirit and then if we're submissive to him and then our hands represent his hand, that's the reason they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And here you him, he says it like this, God always in great feeling toward his people meets in the council of man god only works through his church are you getting this the church is god's agency he said, in one place in the gospel, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The vine does not bear the fruit. It purchases the branch, the branch bears fruit. So the church is the branch that the Holy Spirit is working through. He speaks through the pastor's lips. He works through his hands. And through divine gifts, he sets his body into emotions. Led by the Holy Spirit, by emptying himself out and letting the Holy Spirit take control, he brings messages, he sees visions, and great things, no matter what it might be that God has chosen him to do, if he'll yield to the Spirit, God will work through him or any member of his church. Because as he pours out his Spirit, old men shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions. Amen. My sons and my daughters, they will prophesy. Somebody help me preach now. So you see, God, as he says, and we would see Jesus, God in Christ reconciling the world in himself, God confined himself to one body. That was his son. Through the death of his son, God brought the entire, it brought God to the entire church, universal. (laughs) Through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, and through the blood of Christ cleanses mortal man and makes them, not in themselves, but by the grace of God, through his grace, makes them subjects of the Holy Spirit, that he talks and walks and preaches and acts through his church, his vine, his branches, that's connected in him. Amen. Amen. Again, in perseverance, Brother Bradham talked about the harvest again, where he said, you pray that the Lord of the harvest will send labors. And he said he made himself with making himself with man so bound together that he works only through the agency of man. He chose man to work from He could have chose the sun to preach the gospel. He could have chose the winds or the trees or the stars, but he chose man. And he veils himself inside and hides himself from the unbeliever and reveals himself to whom he will. Amen. Again, he says, and thou art a prophet, but he couldn't do no more for you than what, he's, than what he can working through his church right now. The message witnesses. He said, Jesus Christ is in the building. I believe that this morning. Amen. Yeah. meant to perform miracles. I believe that too. Yeah. But he does it through his church, his people. They shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. In my name they shall cast out evil spirits. The commission given to the church, that's what's the matter with the church today. It doesn't know its position. If you knew positionally what you was and what you are, there would not be a feeble person in here in the next five minutes, that's right. The thing of it is, you're looking off into a millennium for something to happen out there when it's already here. Now, we are the sons of God. No, we will be, we are right now, right this minute, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus now. Oh, if you could just recognize that and the supreme authority that Jesus has given to every believer Anything you d- desire of that you need, only thing you have to do is ask and receive it. Whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, it'll be given to you. That's true. Whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe it, you receive it, you shall have it. You see, all through the book of Acts, and let, let me say about the book of Acts, that was not the Acts of the apostles. That was the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles. Is that right? So when we talk about a book of Acts church, we're not talking about fickle men who fight and argue and fuss and debate and this and that and have quarrels in the church and dissensions and that. We're not talking about man. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And God's going to have a book of Acts church. Let me rephrase that. God has right now at Evening Light Tabernacle, the pride around the world, a book of Acts church. Amen, where the Holy Spirit acts. He's not stale, he's not stagnant. He's not dead, he's not past ages. He acts, he acts. Hallelujah. And his church is Jesus Christ in action on the earth. Now, so all through the book of Acts, Where the Holy Spirit was moving through the apostles, God healed through the the laying on of hands, transferring by intercession the redemptive blessings of Calvary through the hands of redeemed men. It is the New Testament way among both Jews and Gentiles. Now, and I prove that by the Bible. Somebody with me? Now, so we, we, the thing of it is, is we are not just to have an organizational life. This is not another denomination. This is not just another chew where you, uh, uh, church where you occupy a pew. Right now, Amen. You might chew too if you're chewing gum, but <laughs> spit it out and let's get to church. But nevertheless, you know, God, we're not just to occupy a pew. We got a job to do. You, a congregation, are to bring the Holy Spirit down through intercession, through songs, through praise, through worship, through prayers. Brother Branham would say, I can't do nothing until he's here. And we can't do anything until he's here. Now, he was already there, but that was there to be worshiped and, and to be and, and for the preaching of the word, but then he would come there to heal the sick. Right. Now, in the statue of perfect man, Brother Brandon said, we are not building an organization. Remember this. We're not just going to become another denominational church, just, uh, you know, organizational members. He said, Christ never sent me to build an organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the statue of Jesus Christ that they might be the powerhouse and the dwelling place of the Spirit by his word. By his word, see, build up the individual to that place, not build an organization to a greater denomination, but to build the individual to sons and daughters of God. That's what God wants in this day is sons and uh, and daughters of God operating by the Spirit of God. I'm going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of this in just a minute, but let's, let's just review a little more of the Bible. At Iconium, which was a city in Asia Minor, known now as Turkey, Paul and Barnabas ministered there. Acts 14 and verse 3, they remained there a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Mm. Among the Jews and the Gentiles in Asia, verse chapter nineteen, verse eleven, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. I'm showing you this as New Testament doctrine, Bible way, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And diseases departed from them. So not only did he lay hands on them, but the things that he was, the things that he was wearing or holding there was taken and put on the sick. And the diseases departed from them. The evil spirits went out of them. Because that's what healing does. Cast out devils. Remember Paul and the apostles, they are the, they are the pattern of every God-called minister. Amen. You're not laying hands on the sick. You're not a God-called minister. That's just it. One of the last recorded miracles in the book of Acts is in Acts 28, uh, 28, chapter 28, verse 8. It happened that the father uh, of Publis lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. Hmm. So you can see right now what, what it is all the way down through. It's the pattern of the Bible, whether they were Jews or whether they were Gentiles. Sure, sure, we, we ought to believe in a greater way. I, I'd like to see your faith rise where you're just right in your seat, you're healed. I've seen it happen. I've seen people filled with the Holy Ghost right in their seats. I have preached in meetings and demons would fall out right there and, be, and people delivered right there as I ministered the word. Amen, I remember uh, Ellis Blake years ago, he, he went out, backslid, took up cigarettes again, had a two pack a day habit or more and he come back in church and there, you know, was backslidden you know, under condemnation and everything, but while I was preaching one morning, the Holy Spirit fell down in that place and he screamed out, I'm delivered, I'm delivered, I'm delivered and never to smoke again. That's the power of the gospel going forth. But I've also seen it when we lay hands on the sick, on the oppressed, on the demon oppressed, and they recover. I'll get to it in a minute. God don't just have a gift of healing. He has gifts of healing. Now, Brother Branham, in Be Not Afraid, This is after the seals in Tucson. Now, I want you to believe, but first I want you to see that now like healing. We know the Holy Spirit is here, and I believe in laying on hands. Somebody, oh, jumped on me kind of rough about that this morning. There's no such a thing as people laying hands on one another. It shouldn't be done. Can you imagine some, some Campbellite preacher, spirit, are you with me? Campbellite, that's Church of Christ. I call them Antichrist they don't, because they're Antichrist, anti-anointing. So I don't call them Church of Christ. I call them Church of Antichrist because they're anti-anointing. They don't believe in praying for the sick. They don't believe God heals. They believe all the gifts is passed. That sounds like a lot of message believers today. They become Church of the Antichrist. says, you know, this man jumped on him about saying they're kind of rough. There's no such a thing as people laying hands on one another. It shouldn't be done. Now, can you imagine the evil spirit in a man that would attack God's prophet for laying on hands? And he said, I said, well, you just haven't read the Bible, brother. That's all said the last commission that fell from the lips of Jesus Christ was lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the last words he said when he left the earth. His first commission he gave the disciples was heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, First group he sent out, Matthew 10. The last group he sent out, these signs shall follow them that believe, they shall cast out the devil, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink deadly things. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the last words he said and was received up in the glory. Certainly, that's a great commission. What it does, I don't know. It's just carrying out what he said do. Amen. And of course, as I said, that's not the only way God heals Because, you know, he he spoke the word and the centurion's servant was healed. Said, I I don't need a touch, just say it. Just send the word. You know, that's where his faith lay. And if your faith will lay that way, you can be in service this morning while I'm preaching. Because when the gospel is preached, demons are cast out. Amen. Amen. Now, did you know Brother Brandon said about Peter, he received a special gift. He said he received a great gift of healing so that people that laid in his shadow were healed. So these people wasn't even touched. All they had to do is just have his shadow pass over. It was a great gift of healing. But you say, but shouldn't we be concerned about someone who's, who's living with some kind of secret sin, you know, uh, you know and, and, and you know, shouldn't you be afraid that would, would jump on you or you'd be associated with that? Well, let's read the Bible. The Bible answers it. James 5.13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and, is anybody reading this? And if he hath committed sin, it's going to jump off on you. You gotta worry about getting this curse. If he's committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Well, maybe he done something and, and he committed sin and this came on him, well, if we pray for him, God will not only in our intercession heal his body, but forgive him of his sins. Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sin, they shall be forgiven. And confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I want to tell you something. In your intercession, the first thing you have to do is position yourself as a righteous man. You say, well, now, well, wait a minute. When Jesus told us how to pray, he told us first to position ourselves. What did he say? Our Father. How can you, how can he, you call him Father and you're not a son? You are positioning yourself in relation to him. Our Father which art in heaven. Come on. Amen, so the first thing you do when you pray is you position yourself as a son of God. That's why people over here, they're waiting on adoption and one day when the bride gets the power, we all get adopted, glory to God. Well, when's it gonna be? What are you gonna have to do to do it? How much work do you have to do to get it? I'll tell you what, you receive the Holy Ghost, he positions you in the body, it gives you power to cast out devils to speak with new tongues. Come on, it's the adoption robe. It's the badge of authority. I'm now now acting not as a hollow human being, but as as a man filled with the spirit of God. So the first thing you do is position yourself. Who am I? Who is God? A distant God? He's my father. If he's my father, I'm his son. And as his son, I can approach him. I'm not a stranger. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a wayward one. I'm a son, and as a son, I come into his presence with boldness. Amen. 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 Now, but Brother Tim, I'm not sinless. I got lots of faults and sometimes like you preached about Sarah, you know, she struggles to believe and she doubts and quivers and wavers. And I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. I'll just put mine up. I have enough trouble with my own mind and my own unbelief, my own doubting and quivering, questioning. You, Brother Tim, yeah. First thing I do when I come to God is I have to get rid of all of that because that ain't the truth. I am a redeemed, blood-bought, son of the living God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, washed as white as snow without, without one thing, the devil has no claim on me because the blood has annihilated my sin. So I'm not approaching him as a sinner. I'm approaching him as a son. What about a son, an offspring? He's my daddy, Papa God. I can ask him a favor anytime. I need this. I need this. This brother's in need. This brother's in need. This sister, God, I need this. My brother Branham said, a righteous man is not a sinless man. Oh, Now listen, hold this. Notice he said Elijah was a man subject to passions as we are. He had his ups and downs, his differences. And the scripture of his life proves he had his ups and downs like we do. And he had times of wondering, wondering, questioning. And his times that his temper got away from him. <laughs> he had a lot of things that went wrong. But he was still a righteous man because he confessed his unworthiness and believed in God, and that's what made him righteous. Amen. Now, come on now. We are not righteous within ourselves. We're righteous through Jesus Christ. I cannot be sanctified within myself. I'm sanctified through Jesus Christ who stands in the presence of God in my place. It isn't my holiness It's his holiness. My holiness won't work at all. But what he does, because God has accepted him and accepted him, he had to accept me because I'm in him. Hey, that's pretty simple, ain't it? We are accepted in the beloved. If if God accepts Christ, he accepts me. Come on. Look at the Old Testament. What was it? Bring a lamb without blemish. And if the priest, come on, if you bring your lamb, lead it up, the priest Never looked and said, "Oh, uh, okay, boy, you got a flaw there. Uh, you can't worship. Boy, you know, you, uh, I, I'll tell you what, you've made a mistake. You, 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 you can't come in here. No, no, he never looked at the man. He looked at the lamb. Come on now. And if the lamb was accepted and judged to be without blemish, then he was accepted. <laughs> Hallelujah, how do I know I'm going to be accepted in the presence of God, because I did everything right, and I read my Bible on my knees for 24 hours, at least this week, and I prayed so long, and I did this, and I did this work, and I carried the goods to this one and helped. That is not how. He's not looking at me. He's looking at my lamb. And if Jesus was accepted, you are accepted. That's why the Bible said you are accepted in the beloved. Where? In Christ. Well, you just don't know what kind of bad thoughts I had this week. Huh. Yeah. You don't know what kind of bad thoughts I had. And I ain't telling you either. I ain't gonna tell you how many it was and what it was about. Ain't none of your business. Because every one of them thoughts I cast down. They're not a part of me. Amen. But you see, that's why... You see, if your heart condemns you not, then you can have confidence God hears you. So how do we keep our hearts from condemning us? By repentance. So we're not sinless in ourselves. We can't be sanctified in ourselves. We're sanctified through Jesus Christ who stands in his presence in my place and isn't. my holiness is his holiness. My holiness won't work at all and, But uh, because God's done accepted him. And accepted him, he had to accept me because I'm in him. Was And that makes us what makes it real, isn't it? Then we don't depend on ourselves. Now, let's get a little clarification. Now, that doesn't make us say we can sin. Brother, if you sin, you're just away from God, that's all. There's only one thing is confessing it right with God. As long as you desire to sin, the desire of sin is still in your heart, then it's time to stay down at the altar till that thing's taken out. Now, you will sin. You're bound to sin because you can't help it, but not willful sin. He that sins willfully after he sees the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for him. You say, Well, if I sin willfully, then there's no sacrifice for me. Yeah, that's exactly right. You have to go back to Calvary again. That's all it means. Don't mean you're lost forever, it means you need to go back to Calvary because you need a sacrifice for that because you sin willfully. But but every day he said you're you're bound to sin. So we'll think wrong thoughts, we'll do we'll make a little mistakes along the way. Now we're not going to go out there and take another man's wife. That's premeditated. Amen. We're not going to go out there and lay with the whore, That's premeditated. You understand? Yeah. Amen. But you're you you do not know, willfully sin. You know, I, you know you sin willfully after you receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for your sins. But every, every day you're bound to sin. Brother Brandon told us, if I got what I deserved, I'd go to hell. Take the blood of Jesus off of you one minute, you're lost. You're hopeless. You're without God, bound for hell. And, and let me just say, even Brother Brandon would pray many times, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I, I really don't. Believe he was drinking and smoking and adulterizing and uh, but he fought with unbelief just like we do. Turn on a radio, and the radio a man was saying something about God not being real and whatever, and taking him down a path, and he listens to that a little bit, and you know he got to thinking, you know, and Satan began to talk to him and in his thoughts. Finally, he got a hold of himself and said, Satan, how a liar you are. So, said, well, that ain't proper English. I don't care what English it is. devil understood it. Satan, how a liar you are. They ain't my thoughts. Them's your thoughts. And you're going to go to hell for them thoughts, but I ain't. Hallelujah, because there is an atonement on my behalf. Brother Bradham talked about this fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He said, now we are not righteous. No man is righteous, only the Son of God, and we don't stand in our own righteousness. I don't stand in my righteousness. I stand in his righteousness. So as long as I'm anointed with him, it's the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man interceding for you through me to have you believe. Now, in the body of Christ... There are gifts of healing in the church as it's one of the nine spiritual gifts. And of course, in there, given by the Spirit is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Faith is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Well, the gifts are laid on the shelf. Well, then we can't have faith then. You know, to, uh, gifts of healing. And the Bible Bible speaks gifts plural there. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of the spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Brother Branham speaks of that in standing in the gap. And he says, he said in gifts, the gifts has returned to the church. It's divine healing and prophecy and speak with tongues and interpretation. And although it's been misrepresented terrifically, yet, but yet that don't take away. There's a good one. There is a true one of a real, genuine, a gift of speaking in tongues that's always supposed to be in the church. So all the way down to the end and after the end. Because Brother Bradham tells us, you know, when we get on the other side, we'll all be speaking in tongues. A heavenly language. Amen. Now, So you see, every man that's born of the Spirit of God becomes the Son of God, and the supernatural power of God is in him, and he can't help but believe in the supernatural because he's the Son of God. And there's a lot of them today that, you know, is cold and formal and indifferent, God-forsaken, backslidden churches because they're filled with men and women that are not born of the spirit of God they have no taste of God or they don't know nothing about him all they know is theology even if it's message theology and that's the reason you can't get them to believe a thing but we're to be a spiritual church we're to be a super race we're a people that can that should hear his voice we're a people that should uh, should it should become intercessors you know that that sigh and cry for the abominations that's done in the city. You know, people that, as Brother Bradman was said, you know, that sin is so sneaky, it just sneaks right up on you before you know it. And and actually if you think about it, you know, you're living in a time and you know, now it's quite common to you. All the sin that's going on around you. It just happens. It's in your neighborhood, it's in your schools, it's everywhere. And you see it and, it, you know, kind of makes you sick. But it has a way of just kind of sneaking up on you where it becomes common. Well, that's just the way things are. But it should make you sigh and cry for the abominations that's done in the city. And Brother Bradham said, that's the one that God is putting his seal upon. Because otherwise, it just dulls our senses. Oh, well, that's just the world we live in. And we get to a point that it doesn't bother us. But it ought to make us sick. And God wants intercessors. He wants people who can pray the fervent prayer. I'm going to go just a little bit over time because I'm borrowing from next Sunday. And then the next Sunday. No, it won't be that bad. But I, I want just a little more time. Now, you know... Brother Branham was told by the angel, you are to receive a gift of divine healing. And he said how perfect that was. They told you a gift. He never said the gift. But every gift, he said, but divine healing is the gift, but divine healing, and it's a gift. It's gifts of healing. And you can have all kinds of gifts of healing different ways, but Every other is a gift, the gift of prophecy, the gift of this. But divine healing is in the plural gifts. And so there's not but one, not just one gift of healing. There is a variety of gifts of healing. Peter had it where that his shadow would pass over and people would be healed. That was a great gift. You know, others, you know, while Paul was preaching, he perceived that a man had faith to be healed and commanded him to stand up. You see, again and again, there's all kinds of others would be laid hands on, different, different approaches, varieties, or diversities, the Bible calls it, of gifts. Now, Brother Branham called it a gift, a gift of preaching that could explain the word in such a way that you could receive your healing right there in your seat was also a gift of healing, yet it was administered through preaching, not laying on our hands. So there's all kinds of ways that God will use it, you know, when when that, and of course, you know, let me just say, you think if the days of miracles are past, Brother Brandon said, the days of God is past. So we know the days of God isn't past, so the days of miracles are not past. So the only thing that we can do as a minister is to point you to the work at Calvary. We have no power to heal you. Even though we have become the hands of Jesus, there's no power in our hands. We are just carrying out His word to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Just like in ministering baptism, water only saves you in the answering of a good conscience toward God, not through the outward cleansing. So it isn't the physical the physical act of baptism that saves you. It is the the answer of a good conscience toward God, but you have to do the physical act. Same thing with with laying on the hands. It it doesn't heal you, but it's a physical act through which God moves, which he transfers his power through through uh, through humans unto and and, and as a as a um as a catalyst or a contact. Now, Brother Branham, many times, he didn't even raise his, his voice when he was praying for the sick. Many times it was very mellow, very quiet. You know, many times that he, he would pray for needs and even demon powers and just speak them. You know, I can go back to youth camp when when that boy there was laying there and I just, in a vo- voice you could hardly hear and just spoke to him, Pe- peace until that demon there fled away. And yet you could barely hear me say it. There's other times I've lifted my voice. Listen, I know, I know the powers of demons But they gotta fall before the presence of my God. He commissioned me to cast out devils. I know He's gonna do it. He commissioned me to lay hands on the sick, and I know they're gonna recover. Now, but in the prayer line in 1948, Brother Branham was praying for this woman. And he must have lifted his, raised his voice pretty loud. He said, dab thou spirit, come out of her in the name of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Leave the woman through Jesus Christ's name. I I adjure thee to go. Then he said, I'm not yelling at you, but you can't baby demons. (laughs) And faith is our victory, he says. God, rebuke that devil that's hindering you, these beautiful little girls. May the power that raised Jesus from the grave cast that thing away and never bother you no more. I say that on the authority of God's word. You have to get angry with the devil. Amen. God gives us a victory. We got it right now. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. But he says, you have to get angry with the devil. So there are times, Brother Branham would be very soft. There'd be other times... He would scream out. Amen. And there they would say, you can't baby demons. Other, he'd, say, he'd scream out and he says, you got to get angry with the devil. You see, again, it, it's diversities of gifts and diversities of administration. Why am I saying that? Because God don't just have one way of doing things. Don't put him in a box. And Brother Brandon said, most ministers who preach divine healing are usually, all I ever met, are great teachers of the word. Some of them just have great, powerful faith, just lay hands on the people and scream out and make the enemy leave them. Now, that's faith. That's the gift of faith. So how could we deny that? It's in the Bible. Now, let me bring it down to you. But it's not just preachers that have gifts of faith gifts of healing that's in the body hello somebody I want you to get it I want you to hear you're a partner too is not just preachers this is not a Nicolaitan gospel where we conquer the laity and it's all in the preacher listen he says in the message expectations he said and here might be one tonight with the prayer of faith that would pray a prayer of faith that would heal someone. That gift might be on them tonight, and it might be upon this lady here tomorrow night. (laughs) And upon this man over here the next night, and it might come back to her, it's in the church, the body. So the gifts of healing are in the body. Hey, now you say a sister, a gift of healing, come on, a sister? Well, you remember Brother Bradham talking about it being a, in an auditorium there, and he had, was going to have a, a a prayer line that night, and prayer cards had been passed out, and there was this little sister with a baby there that was afflicted, and she was holding that baby and had a prayer card in her hand, and and that sister sitting on the front row, and she's saying, you know, uh, uh you know, may, I just feel led to pray for that, that baby. And I just can't get away from it. And so he kept he kept kind of rebuking the thought, really, you know, and just putting it down, putting it down. And, and finally, you know, it just came over, and she walked up to the sister, the little lady with the baby, and said, uh, you know, would you mind if I said something to you? And certainly, well, I'm a Christian too, and I'm a mother, and just to relieve my conscience. For the last 30 minutes, you've been standing there. I feel God wanted me to pray for that baby. Would you mind if I prayed for it before you took it up? So, said, well, certainly. She let the little baby out, and the mother prayed for it. And said, thank you, and walked back and said, why don't you take my seat? And She gave her her seat and walked up into the balcony. That night on the platform, this lady come up in the, there with the baby and was told, your, your baby's had a certain, certain disease, Yes? Said, there's a woman that's dressed in a certain way, prayed for that baby, sitting right up there in that balcony there, that's screaming now. And said, God ordained that that woman should pray for that baby. Again, he said, now, what if that little mother had failed to do what God told her to do? You know, see, it wasn't evangelist's place. God works in all the laity. We all have certain jobs to do, but you pray for one another, and God will take care of you. In 1960, he mentions again, the compassion of that mother for that baby would have been far beyond what I would have had for it. So the gift of healing, if God ever speaks to your heart to go pray for someone, you go do what God tells you to do. Always follow the Holy Spirit. Again, in question answer 64, he brings again, "Can we all do miracles?" He said, "Yes, when you're directed by the Holy Ghost to do miracles, go do it because the Holy Spirit's directed." Now he said, "If that woman wouldn't have carried out what God told her, perhaps there would have been rebuke in the Spirit to her because she had disobeyed God. "Hello, If she hadn't done what God told her to do, perhaps." there would have been a rebuke. He said, always if you're a Christian and something's persuading you to do something, go do it. Don't doubt it. Go do it. So you see, the Bible talks about this and he talks about Elijah. He said, Elijah was a man of like passion as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it not rain. You know, he walks right out there and he said, there will not be rain or dew till I call for it. But then he had to pray earnestly that it wouldn't rain. Here he spoke it in a word of faith and then had to pray, God, don't let it rain. You know what I said. And for three years, it didn't rain. And then God said, God said to Elijah, and the third year of drought said, go to Ahab and tell him, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now God said, I'm going to send rain. So he goes up there there, and, and you know what happened. Here comes the pillar of fire down, burns up the sacrifice, the altar, licks it up all around. God vindicates him and he walks over to Ahab. Now it's not rained in three years. The sky's a brass, full of judgment. And there ain't a hint of water in the sky. There ain't a cloud. And and he just begins to act now because God said, I'm going to send rain. God said, I'm going to heal you. I'm the Lord God that heals all diseases. You've got to act on it. Come on. And the church has got to act on it. If the church isn't praying and the church ain't believing in it and the church is forbidding it, then God can't move. Now, so here Elijah there is saying to Ahab, get thee up and drink. And he said, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. He said, I've already, well, listen, where did he hear the sound when God said, I'm going to send rain on the earth? That was the sound of abundance of rain. There is sound of healing. That is right here in this building this morning. Cause God said, come on. I'm going to heal you. He'll not heal just your body. He'll heal your marriages. He'll heal your home. He'll heal your finances. He'll heal everything. Come on. Don't limit God. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. so now God has said it's going to happen, but Elijah's got to pray for it. It is not going to happen till Elijah prays. So Elijah gets up on the top of Mount Carmel, casts himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, "Go now look to the sea." And he come back and said, "There's nothing." So Elijah said, "God, you ain't going to do it. I prayed and it didn't happen. So, I give up. Let me just go tell Ahab. No, he didn't do that, did he? Days of miracles must be passed. There ain't no healing in the bride. So, what did he do? He went and prayed again. And he prayed again, he sent him again. And he goes and said, there's nothing. So, when you pray and you get nothing, what do you do? Huh? You pray again. So what'd he do? He prayed again and now the third time and nothing happens. So he prays earnestly again. Come on, amen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man when a man of God, when a child of God will not give up but will be perseverant and hold on and do like Abraham and go again and again and again and again but I prayed for that, and nothing happened. That's what was happened with Elijah. I prayed, nothing happened. So you pray again, nothing happens. Well, go back up and look, nothing. Elijah might as well go six times, nothing. Seventh time, he comes up there, come on. Before now, everything has been like a failure. Prayed six times, nothing happened. Might as well give up. You're not a prophet off after all. Must be some sin in your life. God ain't hearing you. You might have been too haughty down there when you when you when you spoke to those prophets of Baal. All this condemnation coming his way. I'm talking about a man of like passion as you. You get down to pray, and every kind of accuser's right there whispering, saying all kinds of things, and you have no right, no whatever. Because he knows if you'll believe. You're about to cast him down. You see the Bible said that we war in the heavenly. It's a heavenly battle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So the higher you go in God, the more you're going to be opposed by the devil. So as you as you begin to pray, look for opposition. Come on. It's a battle. The devil's gonna come out with all his forces, with his accusation, with everything, but you don't give up. I'm telling you, don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your home. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on the prodigal. Come on now, I'm saying don't give up, but I pray, pray again. The Bible said, ask and keep on asking and it'll be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and you keep on knocking. Amen. The door will be open. For everyone who keeps on asking receive, he that keeps on seeking finds, he that keeps on knocking, it shall be open. Jesus told us a parable of an unjust judge, and he told of about a woman that came. She was a widow and wanted the judge to do something on her behalf, and she, he wouldn't do it. He was a hard man, and he didn't care for the widow and whatever, And she, but he got to thinking, this woman is the kind of woman that ain't going to give up. And so if I don't do something for her, she will come in here every day troubling me. Are you with me? Amen. So, yep, he said, I don't fear man. And I don't regard people. I don't care whether she's a win or not. He's a hard man, and he says, but I'll tell you what, she's persistent, and I know if I don't give it to her, she's going to come in here every day bothering me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it to her. Now, Jesus said, hear what the unjust, said, God, the, the unjust judge saith, verse 7 of, uh, of, of Luke 18, what's this? Put it up for me. Luke 18, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? What's now, verse 8. I tell you, this is Jesus' word, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find people who won't give up? Will he find people that will hold on to the promise? Will I find that kind of faith, persistent faith on the earth? Are you with me now? Now then, then the Bible said about Elijah, and it came to pass the seventh time that he came and said, behold, out of the sea rose this little cloud, it's not like a man's hand, it's not very big. <laughs> now, listen, all Elijah had to do was just see the slightest movement. Yeah. He didn't say, God, if that's good enough you're gonna do, i tell you, you'll never get enough water out of that to wet a mouse. No, i tell you what he did. He looked at that and he said, I I see it right there in that promise. I see God moving, I see the Spirit moving, I see a cloud, I see something happening. And he began to act on what had happened. And he said, go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot because I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. I see the Holy Spirit is about to break out. Hallelujah, that's what we're seeing, the size of man's hand. We have seen this healing, this miracle, this tonight, that and the other. Don't you give up on any promise of God. Look at the promise of God and say, that promise is mine, I'm not giving up on it. I'm gonna have it for my children. I'm gonna have it for my family. I'm gonna have it for my marriage. I'm gonna have it for my church. Thank you, Jesus. That's the way we ought to look at it this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I see things beginning to move. I see the Holy Ghost begin to act. Now I'm going to act on it. Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. Get in desperation. Go there and keep on praying. Approach him again. I've asked you for 15. What about forty-five? I've asked you for forty-five. What about forty? I've asked you for forty. What about thirty? I've asked you for thirty. What about twenty? What about what about ten? Whatever. And the Bible said, and God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. There's about there's some here this morning. God's remembering. He hasn't forgot you. He wants to work through you. Amen. Amen. He wants to work through you. Are you with me? My, think of that just a moment. Brother Branham talks about it. and The Bible says, and let me just cover this just a moment. I know you're standing now and we're here at the end. But I want just to, I just want to bring this out. The Bible said that sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. Put up Romans eight twenty six, And says the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of God because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you pray, you might be like the little boy who was saying his alphabet and he was down praying and somebody come up to him and said, Sonny boy, what are you doing saying your alphabet? That's disrespectful. He said, no, I don't mean to be disrespectful. He said, you see, I, I, was, I, I have no education. I wasn't, I'm an orphan. I didn't get to go to school and I don't know how to read or write, but I do know the alphabet. And my mama died before she could teach me how to pray and I don't even know how to pray. So I was down here just reciting my alphabet. He said, because I knew God could take those letters and form them into words that he would know my heart and what I'm trying to say. The Holy Spirit. Oh, my, do you break out sometimes into an unknown language to you. Brother Branham was in a meeting. And he had a strange event. He felt so burdened he couldn't go to the church. And he was going to let the meeting just go on without appearing. He's in a hotel. and Billy came and said, Dad, you ready? No, I can't go. Come back in. Dad, you ready? No, I I feel so burdened I can't go. And he says, okay, I'll be back around said, go tell Brother Baxter just to do what he can with the meeting, close it however he wants to. I can't come. And he said, about that time, as Billy walked off to get a Coke and a candy bar, he was there and he began to hear somebody in German sound like. He thought it was German. So he began to speak. He said, who is that? My, they're really desperate. Whatever they is, there's something going on. And you know, he could hear the noise from down the street in his hotel. And, and this man over here speaking in German, So, what is that? He said, as he listened? He realized it wasn't out in the hall. It was right there in the room. And he felt of his mouth, and it was his mouth moving. And he was speaking in another language. And he got through speaking. said, as he spoke, he said, and to come through the end, he said, felt like I could just run through a troop and leap over a wall. I felt such freedom. And he said, I ran and found Billy. He said, Billy, don't leave without me. Let's go. And got the meeting. Brother Baxter was singing a song one more time, waiting. He said, Why, well, Bill? said, I thought you'd never get here. Brother Branham, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you're, you're late. I, I know, I know. And he gets up and goes to speak. And in the back, there's a woman who is dying had been dying with tuberculosis. Doctor said, don't move her. Her lungs will rupture. They took an old car and took the seat out of it, laid her down in the rough roads. I think it was in Arkansas. Rough roads. Could have been Louisiana's rough roads. <laughs> and then it began to beat her up and down. And, you know, her lungs ruptured and blood was spurting out of her mouth and She said, get me out of here. I don't want to die in this car. And they laid her out on the grass. And all of a sudden, laying out there in a dying condition, about to draw her last breath, something came over her. And she jumped up from there, totally healed, ran to the meeting, was shouting in the back. And they said, what was it? Said, I was on the way to the meeting. And there I was dying, blood coming out of my mouth. I was hemorrhaging to death. And said, all of a sudden, I was healed. And said, what time was that, Brother Branham asked? What time was it? It was exactly the same time he was interceding through a prophet on earth. Amen. He said, it might have been our angel that came to him. Amen. But whatever it came to him and he began to speak to him through him and intercede, God wants to use his people. Amen. God wants to use you. Amen. Amen. To intercede on the behalf of others. I wonder how many has got a burden in your heart this morning you got a need that is there maybe some need some desire maybe lost loved one maybe maybe your home is all tore up maybe maybe sickness is in your body maybe you got a friend maybe whatever maybe you got someone that's lost maybe right here in this building this morning that needs a touch Let's practice what we've heard today. I want you to lay your hands on that person next to you right now. I want you to agree together. I don't know. Maybe you can have compassion for that brother, that sister, that one that's right now in need. You can have compassion. So that's my brother. That's my little sister. That's my friend. They got a need in their life. And we've been commissioned to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That sickness may be a home disease, marriage problem. That sickness could be a financial situation, might be a demon. Of oppression or depression, a spirit of suicide. Could be a spirit of the enemy, whatever it is. It's subject to the name of Jesus Christ. We've had on the board all day here Moses with his hands lifted up. Interceding, and of course, as he interceded for Israel in the battle, when his hands would fall down the battle would go against him and they would be run from their enemies. But I'm asking today, is there somebody here that can say he's Jehovah Nissi? The Lord, my banner, and to know you know, to lift up the name of Jesus. And I want to say of that, that name as we lift it up, it's higher than all names. It's greater than Cancer. It's greater than, a, than cigarettes. It's greater than drunkenness. It's greater than a family problem. It's greater than pornography. It's great. I don't care. You name the name. Hallelujah. And if we'll lift up that name right now, amen, there'll be somebody winning the battle. Now listen, I don't want to be the one just praying. I want you to pray. What good would it do for me to pray? If you need to pray. Amen. You're the intercessor. There are gifts of healing all over this building right now and men and women right now that are laying their hands on the sick, laying their hands on one another. Amen. And I tell you, God is doing miracles right now. He's moving by his Holy Spirit. Obstacles are going. Demons are beginning to flee. Amen. Victory's coming into the house of God right now. I speak it in his name. I lift up the name of Jesus right now over your problem, over your situation. Satan, you've got to leave God's people you've tormented them long enough and I adjure you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ leave them right now you are bound and you have no more effect on God's people you got to go now in Jesus' name now as we lay hands on one another in Jesus' name we pronounce a blessing over my brother my sister that they be delivered right now in Jesus' name amen thank you Lord thank you Lord can you worship him can you lift your hands and say Lord you've done something here for me have you seen even the size of a man's hand amen they just go to praising him right then amen you just seen the size not maybe much but you saw it amen God's doing something he's moving for his people he's moving for you right now he's moving that obstacle He's dealing with that problem. Let him do it. Jesus breaks ever fetter. Let's just worship him just a moment. I want you to think of it. Just begin to thank him. Lord, let praise just break out over this church. Let your people glorify your name, Lord. Let men and women scream out that name of Jesus and exalt his name on high. And testify, yes, you're my Lord. I position myself as a son of God, as a daughter of God right now. I'm yours, Lord. And I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus praise you.